0: Now, we must all fear evil men, but there is another kind of evil which we must fear most, and that is the indifference of good men. This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast channel. This will be episode number 34, The Nature of Hell. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So the reason for this episode is uh I have meant to uh cover. This aspect of, uh, basically this aspect of the spiritual life for lack of a better term. Uh, you, I ask for your understanding in the sense that I'm not the most articulate person in the world. So sometimes my my message is not going to be uh, as articulate or as understandable as it should be. But I try to, as best as I am able, to make my message uh, understandable. And the reason I'm doing this episode... When I first started listening to Father Utley, uh, I'm sorry, Father Bernard Utley's uh, podcast on SoundCloud, and this was way back last summer, The I think it's episode three, and one of the writers comes in and... M- the way it sounds. The way it sounded, the way the question was worded. I'm not judging the man's soul, I'm not or the person's soul, I'm not judging that, I'm not judging their their intentions or whatever. I'm going strictly by the wording of their question. And the question was basically this, if I may. Obviously, Father Utley, or I'm sorry, Father Bernard, because he's a very conscientious person. And if I haven't said this in the past, I'm going to say it now. A lot of people nowadays mistake conscientiousness for autism or for pedantry, pedantry, um, I think that this is a mistake. Conscientiousness is not autism, and it's not pedantry. The uh, conscientiousness is you care about what you're doing, and you want to make sure that all aspects of whatever you're doing are covered. Having said that, the bottom line of the the person's question. Was how could a loving God throw people into hell? And if I, if I uh, get a hunch that the person's asking this question. In bad faith, my first reaction is to be aggressive, for lack of a better term. I'm sure there are other names for it, but. And when I first. I mean, the very first time that I heard this question, my first reaction. Was, quite honestly, I was, I was angry. I, I, and this, this was hasty. I'm sorry, not hasty. This was rash judgment on my part. Because my first instinct was the, the question was being asked, In a, uh, not in an honest way. Um, And another thing, if I haven't said up until now, if I haven't said it, I'm going to say this now. Everything that I talk about, the things that I say, I credit directly to Lord Jesus, his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom. Now, I've had a chance to review some of my other episodes. I don't believe I've ever, if if I have made this, this uh, statement, then I'm obviously mistaken. But as near as I can tell, I've never made this statement. So, I try insofar as possible to to try to minimize my own personality and basically I try to be as open to the Holy Ghost as I possibly can. The reason I'm bringing this up is I started the first time I listened to Father Utley's uh, Spiritual Life uh, episodes was sometime in the middle of last summer. So we're talking at minimum about eight or nine months ago. And if I am indeed following the promptings of the Holy Ghost, I'm hoping and I'm praying that I'm not the same person at present moment as I was when I first started doing this. Having said that, I I have been re-listening to uh, Father Bernard's um series again and I bumped into this question again last night and I have bumped into variations of this question throughout my life because in America you know we pay a lot of lip service to God but out of ignorance we don't really understand we just don't understand how God works um you know because basically we are a masonic protestant country and even the people that consider themselves catholic um, they, they truly don't understand the truth of the pre-Vatican II Church. They don't. If they did, they would be set of a contest. So we pay a lot of lip service, but we don't truly have an understanding. And I just want to get this out there that just because... Um, you have the truth, you have the right doctrine does not mean that you understand fully what what's at stake now, as I've said in previous episodes, having the right doctrine, dogma is the most it's 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 your it's your basis. If you don't have the right spiritual attitude, you're never well, unless God grants you the grace, you're probably not going to get the full understanding. And having said this, even even if you understand that the uh how important the spiritual life is in in your relationship with God because and I've heard this from plenty of people, Protestant and uh, Vatican II sect members, that, and and it's in the writings of the saints, the doctors of the church and the church fathers. You never get, you you will not, even if you're trying to practice the spiritual life, unless you become a saint, and I'm thinking about doing an episode of, at least on the concepts of what the saints are, you you are not going to have a perfect understanding until you actually. Um, if if God grant grant uh, if God grants you the grace to get into heaven, you're not going to have a full understanding unless you become a saint. Um, it's it's going to be like your initial conversion. Your initial conversion is like being, you know, there's a reason why Jesus said being born again. Because if your conversion is honest and sincere and of goodwill, you're basically, and it doesn't matter what age it starts at, but basically everything that you've experienced to whatever point that you convert. You basically look through a, what I would call a secular or a carnal lens. So the things of God are going to be alien to you. Even if you think that you understand what you're doing. And until you are born again, you do not understand, you know, you don't have any idea. So basically the reason why Jesus in in the book of St. John, when he's talking to Nicodemus says, you must be born again, is basically, it's like in the spiritual life. And you got to remember, Nicodemus himself asked, Jesus, he said, Well, what? Do I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He was thinking carnally, not spiritually, not with the wisdom of God. Because that's that's a fully, fully carnal and um secular. You know, what? Do I have to crawl inside my mother's womb and be born again? No. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth. But like a lot of things in the true Catholic teachings, once you start off on the spiritual rebirth or conversion. It is like your natural or carnal birth. Nobody, you know, nobody expects a two-week-year-old baby to, um, you know, a two-week-year-old baby to be, to start walking, running, jumping, conversing in foreign languages, being able to do algebraic problems. At two weeks old, on on the natural level, that's that's um, not possible unless God Himself decides to perform a um, major miracle, and that would be absolutely a major miracle. And the reason I'm bringing this up is is just like a baby must go through life and learn how to walk well first, learn how to crawl, learn how to walk, learn how to speak, learn how to do math, learn how to do philosophy you know it 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 takes time and experience to learn these things it's the same it's the same thing when you're spiritually reborn basically you're learning not to look at things through a carnal or a secular lens and you're look you're learning to look at things through a spiritual lens and depending on God's will because if you read the lives of the saints prior to Vatican II was some saints, and this is, like I said, this is entirely God's will, and he does with it what he wills because he is the author of time and space and of our existence. Some saints were born um, literally with a close relationship With God. They were literally friends of God from the moment of their birth. Others started their birth at six years old. Some started it in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s. And there were some saints who didn't start their rebirth until their 50s. The reason I'm bringing this up is not only your your physical age when you begin to rebirth is God's will. But how fast you grow in the spiritual life is also God's will. Anybody who's read any of the spiritual books, and I'm talking pre-Vatican II, understands that some saints, um, because God willed it, in a very short time, they, they were a friend of God. Other saints, it took them years to become a friend of God. It's entirely God's will. There's a reason for this that I'm getting this detailed. Why I'm explaining this and what some people might consider uh, autistic or pedantic detail. And by the way, I consider this conscientiousness because well, I'll I'll get into the aspect of where I'm heading in a little later. So basically, I'm very, very new to the spiritual life. And because I'm new and because I have flaws, um, Whatever God's grace gives to me is going to be, you know, however much time it takes me is due to his grace. So the reason I'm saying this is when I re-listen to the passage and once again, once again, I want to reiterate that, uh, I had heard this question before I was in, before I was even uh, willing to serve Jesus. I heard this question. And as, and I do realize different people have different personalities, way of looking at things. I've said it ad nauseum. But for me personally, even when I was a non-believer, and when I say a non-believer, not that I did not believe in God, but I had no intention on serving him. Um, when people would say this, I I had, and because I, I was not intending on serving God, I literally had contempt for these people. Because I knew, well, let me go back. Um, I thought that, you know, God played favorites and that, and, well, that's going too deep in the weeds. I thought that God played favorites with everyone, oh, well, with some people and allowed them to become Christians and they were the ones that got to heaven. And people like myself, we're just going to hell. And I do realize that's a form of predestination. At the time though. If you told me that. I probably would have argued with you. Because I did not have any kind of spiritual outlook. That gave me the inclination. That that was the wrong attitude. But I. When people said this. um, I was contemptuous of them. You know. Well, if God loves people, um, why is there hell? And honestly speaking, because I'm middle-aged, I might have actually said the same thing myself at an earlier age and just forgotten about it. The reason I'm bringing this up, though, is, is because... Thinking about this last night, I realized, at least speaking for myself, if people say this, they're doing it out of ignorance. They're doing it literally out of spiritual ignorance and blindness and hardness of heart. Now, when I did decide to try to serve Jesus in my 30s, because I was doing a lot of reading, I came to a more—you—you you grow into truth, even if—even if you're um, in error, if you're—if you are sincere and conscientious, you will—you will come into partial truth. And in my partial truth, I understood that we are given a choice. We are given a choice on whether or not we go to heaven or we go to hell. And not only that and like I said it's, it's the charity of God and his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom that gave me this insight. Without the truth. And when I say the truth, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about what you think is your truth. I'm talking about Jesus' Christ truth. Until you grow, uh, grow and understand that, you're never, you're never going to, uh, you're never going to fully understand. And, um, so let me take this to the natural level, a carnal level, uh, a secular level. Anybody who has not been completely sheltered from life knows that even in the secular realm, the carnal realm, there are standards that you have to meet to get into an exclusive organization. Now, whether the more carnal or secular minded people like this thought or not, heaven is an exclusive club it is the ultimate the ultimate exclusive club um the reason why saint paul uses military metaphors in his writings and his epistles is because in his day they didn't have dress codes and clubs or jobs that have, that had exclusive uh, rules in order to join the military did though. And this hasn't changed throughout the years. This has not changed. Um, if you have listened to my podcast introductions, there were certain standards that I had to meet to get into the US Army. There was a certain code of conduct I had to follow to get into, or while I was in the U.S. Army. Becoming a true pre-Vatican II Catholic is no different. Now, for those of you, and... um, Quite honestly, I... Well, I think this was done on purpose. But... Because we have an all-volunteer army, a lot of people are horrendously ignorant about the army, how it operates, and what it does. So I'm going to put this, for those of you who are completely and utterly ignorant of how an army operates, I'll put this on even a more secular level. There are certain strip clubs that that have uh, barriers to entrance. It could be a dress code. It could be a, uh, a cover charge, but they have literal codes of conduct. There are exclusive nightclubs that have dress codes that have cover charges. And for those of you who don't indulge in that kind of behavior, and you should be commended for it, there are jobs, well-paying, uh, nice jobs that have standards and codes of conduct. Okay? uh You need to have a certain amount of college in order to get into this job. You need to pass an interview in order to get into this job. Once you are blessed enough to get into the job, they have codes of conduct. And depending on the job, it may be quite intrusive. They may not allow you to say and do certain things on social media that they feel uh in their infinite wisdom which may um that that may or may not uh, discredit in their eyes the institution they may drug test you when i was training to be a prison guard you know and this even when I was a lowly security guard, you had to take a drug test. And uh, obviously the requirements vary from organization to organization. But the bottom line is you have certain standards of conduct and you have certain um, certain uh, aspects that you have to meet before you can get in. And just as a quick aside, when I worked for the major grocery store in the Midwest before I moved to where I'm at now, even as a cashier, even as a cashier, I had to sign when I when when they hired me a basically, I believe it's a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA. I think it's what it's called. Basically, saying that if you have a Twitter. Uh, a Facebook or whatever, you cannot say or record things. that are detrimental to the company and post them to social media. Not only would you get fired, but they also threatens you with legal action if, if they could find out that it was you that did it. And we're talking, I was an hourly employee. And when when I did it, I understood that things had changed since the '90s, and things such as smartphones and the internet um, were really not factors, especially smartphones. Uh, when I was working in the '90s, uh, there were no smartphones. They had these. I'm sure you've seen the older shows where the cell phone is the size of a shoebox with a little antenna so there was no need of that so when i worked my service work that i didn't need to sign you know especially being an hourly crew person i didn't need to sign an nda there 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 were, you know i mean i could i could get drunk and shoot my mouth off about my service job to my buddies But no internet and no smartphones. It's just going to stay between me and my buddies about whatever happened. Whatever I was talking about. Anyway. So. To get back to my major point. Of this podcast. The nature of hell. Basically. Basically. And this is where ignorance is a person's greatest weakness. And as I kind of hinted at in a previous episode, even the people who did not have a vested interest in criticizing the movie The Passion were upset about the graphic violence. Now, at this time, I was a Protestant when I first saw the the Passion. And I was unaware of the actual sufferings and tribulations that Jesus went through between the time of his arrest until he was crucified. I had no idea. I was ignorant. And honestly speaking, it wasn't until I started taking Catholicism seriously and I started reading the writings of the saints and the doctor's, and the fathers of the church should I realize that the reason why Mel Gibson made the passion so graphic, not just because the movie is actually based on a series of visions given to her by God about his life and his passion, but also he was basing this on other writings that mentioned there is a catholic saint i believe if if i'm getting her correctly i think she was from sweden her name was saint bridget lord jesus came to her and told her when he was getting scourged that he was whipped five thousand times and I I think I brought this up in my Good Friday uh, episode, but basically he was whipped 5,000 times. And to anybody who's ignorant of this, when St. Paul talks about when he was scourged by the local Roman authorities, or Jewish authorities for that matter, he was whipped uh, 40 times minus one. In other words, 39 times. The reason why this was, and I knew this as a Protestant, was because they considered the 40th stroke to be fatal. So basically, they whipped him just enough to almost kill him. Which, if you understand that part, the 5,000 times is incredible until you understand the nature of God. Now, Jesus cannot mislead. Cannot mislead and will not mislead. If he says he was uh, scourged 5,000 times, he was. But if 40 strokes was considered, considered fatal 5,000 times. Shows that he is God. If 40 times will kill a human and he got whipped 5,000 times, then, or I'm sorry, scourged 5,000 times, then obviously he had to be God. Even though he was human, he had to be God because 40 times would have killed a regular person. Now, there's a reason I'm bringing this up. Just the scourging. Oh, and it's an added note. It is is throughout the writings of the Catholic Church prior to Vatican II. The reason he was scourged was for the sins of impurity. And I'm not even talking about the impurity of pornography, the impurity of um, adultery, the impurity of fornication. Because if you go to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, he says quite clearly, if you look at a woman and... You uh you think to yourself, man, I'd like to to, to bang this chick. Use as much committed fornication with her. If you look at a married woman and think, Yeah, I know she's she's a married woman, but boy, I'd like to slam her, you've just committed adultery. Those are sins of impurity. He paid that price, and because he is the author of time and space, those 500, uh, 5,000 lashes that he received were the penalty for all the impurity that human beings have committed from the beginning of time to the end of time. That was the penalty he had to pay so that we would have a shot at getting into heaven. So, I'm trying. I'm trying to be as on point as I can be. So, if in, if in the secular or carnal realm, there are standard, uh, there are standards of getting into exclusive organizations or businesses, and There are standards of conduct. And I have have mentioned this in previous podcasts. Why would heaven, why would God not have his own set of standards, his own set of conduct? And just like in the secular realm, if you do not meet the, the standards or if you do not follow the code of conduct there's a penalty to be paid okay god you know because things on this earth kind of mirror the laws of god but because satan um is basically doing what he's doing the the, the things on earth Basically, Satan twists um, in his own way so that they meet his standards and not God's standards. But the law about, you know, uh, codes of conduct and um e he, e- 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 um, high standards to be able to join an organization are, you know, these are heavenly concepts. And I think a reason why a lot of people are ignorant about this is because they've been trained from their mother's milk especially the last two generations of no standards. No standards. Oh, you can act however you want. You'll go to heaven. I've talked about this aspect. And with with the no standards, there's a sense of entitlement. I've already said in a couple of other episodes, one of my biggest crosses to bear as a service worker was the sense of entitlement out of people that I dealt with. Not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people, they, you know, they had this sense of entitlement. And I'd actually had, (laughs) I'd actually had customers get in my face, the customer's always right. And if they caught me in the right mood, I would tell them, no, you're not always right. If you're being an a-hole, you're not right. You may be spending money, that does not give you license to be an a-hole. Now, that should be a concept that any relatively intelligent child should understand. But for a lot of adults, they're they're, they're totally unaware of this concept. Okay? So, a lot of people, they also get the concept of love twisted. And a lot of this is due to bad education and out and out the twisting of the meaning of the word love. Oh, I believe a, a, a set of a conscious priest or bishop said the, the ultimate love is being willing to sacrifice without any personal motivations yourself for another person or for God. Okay? And I've already pointed out that those of you with families and even those of you who are not married, I'm sure would gladly die for your brothers and sisters or your mom and dad or a favorite uncle or grandparent or whatever. You would, you know, without any preconditions, you would lay down your life for them. So, if the ultimate form of love is to sacrifice, the way the word love has been twisted is um, they, they call it unconditional love, but it's not unconditional love. Basically, their conception of love is whatever is convenient for them and whatever's inconvenient for people, oh, that's hate, that's hate. I mean, all you have to do is look at the divorce rates to understand that the concept of true love is dead in this society. And a lot of people have no idea what true love actually is. And by the way. By the way. I'm not excluding myself from this. I always. I've always said. And I will say to present moment. I do not. I have not. Let me step back just a minute. There was one person in my life. One. Who gave me unconditional love. And unfortunately, that person's love for me was a blind unconditional love because basically they spoiled me rotten out of true love for me. And. Because I was so young, it took me years to get out of the mindset that the world owed me a living. That's what they used to call it back in the day. The world owes me a living. World don't owe you nothing. And neither, hate to sound harsh, but it is the truth. God doesn't owe you anything either. You owe God. You owe God your 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 obedience, your love, and your total and complete subject sub subject subjectiveness to his rule. But he don't owe you nothing. Because he is the author of time and space and human beings, if if he chose to toss us all into hell. Because he is God, and like I said, this is going to sound harsh, but it's true. If he decided to toss us all into hell because he is God, he would be justified in that. just, Just for the fact that he is our creator. Now that may seem arbitrary, and it would actually be arbitrary, which is why I hate the heresy of Calvinism. Because basically, mm, I have really got to be more careful when, when I do these podcasts. I apologize for the basically. Back in the day, I was guilty of Calvinism. Because basically what Calvinism teaches is that God's favorite, what they call the elect, they don't have to do nothing. They can do whatever they want to do. And because God, they're God's favorite, they get into heaven. And the rest of us who are not God's favorites, no matter how much we try to love, honor, and worship him in spirit and in truth and in integrity, well, we go to hell because we're not his favorites. That is exactly this kind of arbitrariness is exactly why I hate Calvinism. Now for my last example where I said because he is our creator if he chose to send us all to hell he would be justified in doing that. The reason I'm saying this is he didn't. From the very Since he created man, he has made every effort to make sure that we, we have a chance at getting to be with him and his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom into heaven. It started out with the old covenant with the, uh, the Hebrews and It came into his crucifixion and everything between the crucifixion and now he has tried, I shouldn't say tried. He has made every opportunity to give us a shot at heaven, which brings me to the opposite, the opposite of predestination. And I would say, yes, predestination is arbitrary. Absolutely, I hate it. That's why I hate it. But with free will, you have a choice. Now, God being God, he knows the final outcome because he knows the final outcome of everything, whether or not you will choose to, um, to use your free will properly and correctly or if you would reject him and by the way the rejection a lot of people get this twisted at least a lot of Americans do because we have what is known as binary thinking it's either black or white so when I say reject they're thinking totally reject the atheist no no when I say reject there are people who as I speak literally thinking that they are serving God when in fact they're basically serving a God of their own conception, not the God, Lord Jesus, of the truth. They're serving a God of their own conception. And that's one of the errors of Protestantism. So, no, when I say reject God, you, um, St. Paul himself said in one of the epistles, um, uh, St. Paul in one of his epistles pointed out that, um, give me a second. I need to remember the exact quote. Um, I can't remember the exact quote, but he says something along these lines that in the last day, people will think they're serving God in the last days to kill you thinking that they're serving God. That's not the exact quote that I wanted to say, but my mind went blank. So, but go through St. Paul's epistles. Um, There are other quotes along those lines. So, the nature of hell is... You know, there are gradations and variations... Of... Rejection. Just like there are... Variations and gradations of true love for the Lord Jesus, his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom. And that's why purgatory exists. To those who were of good will and honest intention, if they didn't quite get to heroic sanctity, which is sainthood, you go through purgatory because God as God, he is completely and utterly holy. And it is scattered throughout the Bible. God can absolutely cannot have anything. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the expression, "Well, if I put a drop of sewage in your ice cream, would you eat it?" Just take that that expression to God. A drop of our of impurity or sinfulness, which would be sewage in his eyes, is unacceptable. So you have to be completely pure and completely holy to get into heaven. And it is an ultimate grace of love that he allows purgatory to exist. And by the way, the whole Protestant nonsense of you either go to heaven or hell, Um. not only is it naturally uh, illogical Spiritually, it's ignorant. Okay, because, um, in in the pre-Vatican II church, there are variations and gradations, just like there are in real life. That's why in the secular U.S. law, um, a murderer gets put in some states gets put to death, whereas a shoplifter uh either pays a fine or gets probation. Why would why would God's heaven be any different? To close out my final comments on this issue. I got angry with that writer out of Um, out of uh, let me look it up. I apologize. Judged rashly, I was guilty of judging rash, rashly, and then because of God's love and grace and His Blessed Mother's love and grace, they've given me the grace to understand that the people who do this are doing it out of ignorance and they've been purposely kept in the ignorance in some cases, in other cases. Um, an authority figure in their life was lax in their duty toward them to train them up in the truth. But basically, oh, I did it again. Sorry about that. When this person made their comment, they They were guilty of three things. Presumption that they should just be allowed into heaven because reasons, you know, God's love, blah, 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 Um, ignorance, but the ignorance is not a sin. It's just a fault. And that they didn't understand properly the true relationship between God and man and his, man's duty to not just the ultimate truth, but to the ultimate love of God. And sentimentality, I can't think of a better word than sentimentality. And what I mean by sentimentality is one of the comments he made in his Facebook post was, I, don't, I didn't ask to be born. Life is a high stakes gamble. Now, without knowing what was going on in his mind, I'm not going to be presumptuous enough to try to ascribe motives. But those two comments are wrong on the face of it. But the reason I'm using the word sentimentality in the first case is none of us asked to be born. I didn't ask to be born. And I'm sure if you ask somebody who's had a horrendous life, they'll more be happy to tell you Well, I didn't ask to be born. We are born because God has a purpose for us. Now, for some people, with God's grace, it may take a shorter amount of time to find their purpose or to understand that everything they've been through has been preparing them for something else. Regardless, just like The satanic masons that run this earth have a purpose for everything that they do. Just like I try to have a purpose and a reason for everything that I do. That I do. God himself has a purpose and a reason for everything he does. However, being God, we do not get the option of questioning his motivations. Whether we like it or not. You know. Part of being a true Catholic is obedience, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems like we've been abandoned and left to our own devices. It is not up to us to question God. Our duty as true Catholics is to to continue to worship our Lord and Savior, His Blessed Mother in the Heavenly Kingdom, And do the best we can with what we have been given while we're here on earth. I'm going to stop here and then I'm going to finish up the rest of the podcast. Give me a minute, please. All right. This is going to be my last. Lord willing, very brief uh, closing of this episode. The second point that this particular person had brought up in their Facebook post is that life is a high stakes gamble. Now that person is partially right, but for the very, very wrong reasons. And I will as briefly as I'm able, try to explain, and then we'll close this out. Now, when a person is secular or carnally minded, they tend to think that for people that are in dangerous line of work, let's say a special ops soldier or a gangster, or a uh, a miner or a uh, oil worker, an oil rig worker, that you know um, that these that these things are a high stakes gamble because you could lose your life at any moment. Where they're wrong in this is. And. A lot of people don't realize this. Um. And it's due to God's grace. And his blessed mother. Their grace. That I. I have a dim understanding of this. Even before I decided. To become a true Catholic. People, uh, for that matter, before I even decided to serve Jesus Christ, people throughout my life used to tell me, tomorrow's not promised. So even to the carnal and secular minded people who don't go, you know, who are not trying to have a relationship with Jesus, your life is a high stakes gamble. You could have a heart attack. And before some of you youngsters out there laugh at me, because I used to do the same thing when the older folks used to tell me, there have been young people in the prime of their life who just drop dead, either drop dead or just never wake up. You could get hit by a car. You could be shot by a mugger. Uh, You could get in an argument with a loved one and they could kill you. Um, You could get in a car wreck. You could get in a plane crash. There are a myriad of ways that you can die in this life. So, they got that part. If, If I'm understanding their context, they got that part wrong. They also got wrong, if, if I'm understanding their context correctly, and if I'm not mistaken, it sounded like they're looking at this through kind of a Calvinist lens that, you know, only the saints get to heaven. They're wrong in that too. The minute that life stops being a high stakes gamble is when you start serving the Lord Jesus Christ and His Blessed Mother with goodwill, sincerity, and And a uh, diligence to the truth. A literal diligence to the truth. Because if you're doing that, if finding the ultimate truth is your goal, and once you find that truth, devoting yourself exclusively to that truth and giving it the proper... Love, honor, and respect it deserves. I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I'm only going to speak for myself. Honestly speaking, before I came to this realization, my outlook on life was pretty nihilistic. Um, in the back of my mind, I knew that I was probably going to end up in hell because I did believe in God. And I was honest enough with myself to realize, given my hatred and rebellion against him, I couldn't expect to get into heaven. That that, on a logical level wouldn't have made sense. Um, Having said that, My outlook now is I don't worry about heaven or hell. I don't worry about what heaven's going to be like. Or, you know, I know there's a lot of people that they, they do this and that's fine. That's just not how I'm wired to operate. I don't worry about heaven and I've done enough reading about hell to know that hell is going to be worse than anything. It's going to make the worst life on earth look like a walk in the park compared to whatever happened in the worst life on earth. My, the way my attitude is, I'm going to do the best I can with what I can, with what I'm given. And try to do God's will as I understand it. And I, as, as, as weak and as superficial as my confidence and faith are, I have a minuscule confidence and faith that God will get me where he wants me to be. And if he gets me to where he wants me to be and I, I am in obedience to him and his will and I love him above all things, you know, even if I have to spend a trillion years in purgatory, um, that's that's fine because I'm getting into heaven and basically my bottom line is I've been through a lot compared to other people. I'm sure they've had it worse. I can only speak for myself. I do not want what I've been through here on earth to have been in vain. I absolutely do not want it to be in vain. But. Once you come to, once you get to the truth and you commit yourself to the truth, life no longer becomes a high stakes gamble. It doesn't. Of course, I am speaking for myself, but I also have to believe that God has put this message in me for a reason. And as far as high high stakes gambles go. They're right. That your eternal death and uh, I'm sorry, your eternal destination. And it's not a gamble. I, I misspoke. It's not a gamble, but it is a high stakes decision. Because you consciously decide whether or not to devote yourself to the Lord Jesus and his blessed mother, or you don't. And once you make that decision, it's no longer a gamble. Once you make a decision, a a, a hard decision. Now, I'm not saying that God and his blessed mother through their love and grace cannot get you to convert to the proper decision. I'm living proof of it. But what I'm saying is, too many people, because of the society we live in and the culture we live in, have the mistaken impression that everything that matters is what's down here on earth. Until you realize the only thing that matters is whether you're going to hell or heaven and you're going to devote yourself to Lord Jesus and his blessed mother or not. Whatever happens on this earth means nothing. And to some of you, that may sound like so much nonsense. But it is true. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it is true. And I want to close this recording with what I posted on Twitter. There are a lot of people who are committed to their their personal version of the truth. Whether out of ignorance or whatever, obviously it's above my pay grade. But they are serving what they consider to be their personal truth. And I humbly beg and beseech you, I really do, to give this idea some consideration. We are not to follow our conception of the truth. We are to follow God's truth alone. We are not allowed, if if we truly love God as we claim we do, we are not allowed to follow our own conceptions. We're supposed to be obedient to God's truth. And so what I would ask you is please give it some consideration that your conception of truth may not be God's conception of the truth. And I'll leave it at that. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, When I did this episode, I was going to try to keep it to under an hour. But just like in the spiritual life, I'm hoping to grow in wisdom and how to make a better podcast. And just like in the spiritual life, everybody's going to make a mistake. I want to thank you for listening. That's important too, because of the length of this podcast. You know, listening to a podcast that runs over an hour for a lot of people seems like a trial. And it may be. So if you've given me your full time, I do appreciate it. I want to say that I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. And I pray for everyone who may come into contact with me, whether directly or indirectly. I pray for them every day. And then I basically leave it to Lord Jesus and his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom to do the rest. Have a good day. God bless you. You Bye-bye. been chosen to reveal our existence to the world you will witness what happens here today and you will tell of it later